Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for May 24th, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, But They Did Not Understand, Do We? Perhaps it's the most honest statement in all of Scripture, but they did not understand. No truer words have ever been spoken. Jesus tells them for a second time that he will be betrayed, killed, and will live again, but they did not understand. Then they start walking, making their way towards Jerusalem, but they didn't understand that either. And on their walk, they start arguing with one another like little children. And the topic of the argument du jour, who was the greatest among them? They really didn't understand. Jesus had heard them arguing, and when he questioned them on it, they were silent and ashamed, as well they should have been. Here would have been a grand opportunity to tell a little lie. Jesus, we're sorry that we couldn't agree on this one thing, but we all had different ideas about how best to feed the hungry. That's what we were arguing about. Or, Jesus, we're sorry that we were disturbing you with our argument, but we were really trying to solve world peace. Or, Jesus, we are sorry that we can't get along, but we could not decide who to vote for for Jerusalem Idol. A thousand things they could have said, but they said nothing and their silence spoke volumes. They were arguing over who was the greatest, but they did not understand. So Jesus tries to explain it again, the whole, the first shall be last, the last shall be first thing again. The whole greatest will be the servant of all thing again. But they did not understand. It's so easy to beat up on them. Those disciples so often just don't get it. They wanted more definitive answers to lots of questions. And that's what that whole text is about. Go back and read it later. They didn't do abstract very well. They seemed unable to move from the forest to the, from the trees to the forest. They were hung up on things like, I wonder which one Jesus likes the most. They did not understand. They were hung up on things like, who's in and who's out. They did not understand. They were hung up on things like marriage and divorce and the technicalities of broken relationships. They did not understand. They were hung up on the fact that they thought that Jesus are be- that children are best seen and not heard. They did not understand. They were hung up on materialism and wealth. They did not understand. In this one lengthy section of Mark's gospel, we witness some of the most familiar scenes and sayings between Jesus and his disciples that span the scope of issues that set up polarities of right and wrong, black and white, least and greatest, us and them, part and whole, marriage, divorce, guilt, innocence, wealth, and poverty. That's what that whole section is about. 
It's as if that they had completely forgotten that he had told them for a second time that his days were numbered. It's as if they didn't hear him say for a second time, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you, tortured and killed. I've already said it now how many times in this sermon, and I bet you we all leave this place not understanding. It's as if they were in denial with their heads in the sand and they were childish. Jesus tells them this grim news and instantly they start arguing each other about who is the greatest. They simply couldn't put the pieces together. They couldn't make the connections all along the way of what he said and what he did in a more global sense beyond just them. They did not understand. Do we? I fear that conversations among Christians are much the same today. We argue among ourselves, even on a national scene, about who is wrong and who is right and who is in and who is out, about just about any topic at hand. Whether it be about women in the pulpit, or gay marriage, or the death penalty, or abortion, or school vouchers, or prayer in schools, or interfaith dialogue, or how to care for the poor, or how to interpret the Bible, you name it, and Christians argue about it. These arguments usually entail picking one side and sticking to it. I know that's what I do. <laughs> and then we all go about living in these polarized conversations, and we fail to see the bigger picture of how the message of Jesus was to bring us together and not to divide us and tear us apart. If there were a narrator writing a gospel today, I think it would be an, an appropriate line to include in a current telling of today's gospel story, and they still did not understand. Today is Pentecost Sunday which makes this all the more relevant. At Pentecost, there was mass confusion. The spirit rushed through them like wind and fire, and it was chaos. Everyone talking at the same time, all in different languages, it was crazy. They did not understand that day either. But Peter calmed them down and explained to everyone that this was not a drunk fest drunk fest as some were suspecting. Rather, the Holy Spirit had come among them and on that day, the church was born. Out of confusion and chaos and wild and crazy moments, the church was born. The best part of the wonderful scene in Acts 2 is the beginning and the ending. This wonderfully told tale begins with these words. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were together. I think that's why I still do church. To be together. To know that I'm not alone in the living of this way of life. That there are others who walk alongside me and help to shoulder the burden and celebrate the joy. The way of faith can... The, let me say this very clearly. The way of faith 
can be lived alone. The way of Jesus cannot. The way of faith can be lived alone, but the way of Jesus can only be walked in solidarity with others who are making their way along the journey. The way of Jesus calls us together. He did not do it alone. If we remember back to the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, he called together a band of believers who would become faithful followers, though they didn't understand they were there. And he did this because he knew that he could not do it by himself. And I think that's why I still do church. Because I can't do this by myself. I need to be reminded often and routinely that the way of Jesus will call me to speak up for justice and act out of love. The way of Jesus will not get bogged down in pettiness like who's married and who's divorced and who's in and who's out and leave the children and tell them to be quiet. It will not be involved in those kinds of conversations, but it will look towards a bigger picture that looks like the kingdom and the will of God right here and right now, not something out there or in heaven, but it's right here, right now, and we are the ones to bring it. And then there's the ending of this Pentecostal story. The end of Acts chapter 2 goes like this. After Peter's tremendous sermon, this is what's recorded. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In this scene, I think the narrator of the Acts of the Apostles was trying to say, they understood. Finally, they got it. The truth is that they probably still didn't agree on everything, but they put their differences aside for a greater good and a bigger picture, which is what Jesus was always trying to get his disciples to understand. Now, don't get me wrong. We can't just live in complete harmony, watering everything down so that we believe in some base common denominator so we all feel good. We must speak our truth, even if it ruffles feathers. We must speak a prophetic voice that matches the justice, love, and mercy of Jesus. We have to do this, even when it's inconvenient and even when we find ourselves alienated for doing it. We must speak up and speak out, especially for those who have no voice. We must. But let none of us get so caught up in the debates and the rhetoric that we forget who we are. In claiming what we know as truth, let us not tear others down. In speaking out for justice, let us not silence others. 
In living the way of Jesus, let us not put others down in order to make ourselves greater. Let us not seek to be the greatest. Let us seek to be the servant. Let us not clamor to be right. Let us strive to be faithful. Let us seek to understand more than to be understood. Jesus predicted his own death a second time, and the disciples launched into yes, no, right, wrong conversations. They did not understand. They did not understand that even death would not have the final say. They did not understand that life could not be broken down into individual, even sometimes petty arguments over seemingly trivial matters. They did not understand that they were not to get distracted by the insignificant things. They did not understand that the things that seemed urgent cannot supersede the things that are important. They did not understand that it was not all about them. They did not understand the all-encompassing scope of the way of Jesus. They did not understand so much. Do we? Do we understand any better today what it means when we claim being a follower of Jesus? I fear that we do not. But every now and then I catch a glimpse of understanding. I see that small ray of light that makes me respond with, aha, I get it now. Every now and then I do get it. And it's those moments that we hold on to. It's those moments that I cling to. It is those moments that remind me of who I am and why I do what I do. And I'm not talking about my vocation. Those moments for me are often clearer when I stand in the baptismal waters with someone. Those moments of clarity almost always come on a mission trip. Those moments of clarity are most often seen at Room in the Inn or at the men's shelter or listening to the Burmese sing or watching children play on our playground or standing in the columbarium. I love Pentecost. It's my favorite liturgical day, though I'll tell you I don't like it when it falls on Memorial Day because <laughs> children don't come to church. <laughs> it's still floating back there, don't worry. But I love Pentecost. I love the red stoles. They're my favorite ones that Sarah Eggleston made. I've always regretted that she and I designed these with what I think is the prettiest cross. All the stoles have different crosses, and I think the prettiest cross that she did was on the red one. I only get to wear it one Sunday a year, but maybe that's what makes it extra special. I love the thought of wind and fire. I love the red candle. I particularly love this one, wrapped in barbed wire. It's a symbol that the Holy Spirit blows through those imprisoned, literally and figuratively. And when the Holy Spirit sets us on fire, we are imprisoned no more. 
Even the barbed wire cannot hide the flame. This is a symbol of hope in the midst of confusion and questions and doubts and chaos. Do we understand at least that? That the Holy Spirit is on fire in the midst of the most confusing, imprisoned times of our lives. Do we understand at least that? I hope so. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.